the the time she loses in in the technique is and and the way she comes back like it, it's not it's not easy to close the gap she was closing on on the Koppenberg and she just did it uh you lose so much energy on on, on those sections and coming back so it's it's a bit of a shame to see her lose so much time in the technique Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Today you are joined by the usual suspect, myself, Twan Nandissa. Hello. Hey everybody. Today we will be discussing the Koppenberg course, which was the first round of the brand new branded X2O Badkamers Trophée. And it was a pretty strange one. First of all, the cross wasn't held on the 1st of November, which is a tradition for the Koppenberg cross. The reason for that is that the UCI claimed all the Sundays from somewhere mid-October until mid-January for their new World Cup. But, well, we all know what happened to their new World Cup. There's only five races left on their calendar. But the Koppenberg Cross was still stuck on the 31st of October. So that's something that I hope to have answered a lot of questions with um, that I've gotten. And second of all... Because of the coronavirus measures, there were only two races, the men elite and the women elite race, and there were no spectators. Pretty strange, but at least there was racing. Issa, tell us something about that racing that we saw, especially in the men's race. Yeah, so in the men's race, um, the start, of course, starting at the bottom of the Koppenberg. It was Stone Arts, Mr. Momentum himself, uh, who had the privilege to start the field section as first in, in the first lap. He was the first uh, at the top of the Koppenberg. Uh, the rest was followed pretty closely. Um, during the race, we got a group of four with uh, Eli Iserby, Stone Arts, Lars van der Haar and Quinten Hermans yet again. This time, though, for Hermans, he didn't blow up and he maintained a pretty good race um, overall. Um, in the race itself, it seemed that we were going towards Tone Arts and, and Ezerbeat, going to battle it out together. But in the fourth round, Ezerbeat was was crushing all our hopes towards a, a battle between the two. And he just left Tone Arts simply in the dust. Uh, and to make matters worse for Arts, it was Van der Haar who was catching up. And was even even able to overtake uh, Arts uh, in, in the race. And uh, it was then in the end Ezerbeat that won the race. With Van der Haar second and Tonarts, the big loser of that day, third. So if you've listened to our preview, we all remember that uh, Elisabeth was the pick of uh, Tom. So he was right there. It was in the end Elisabeth who took his second consecutive win. You said something about momentum, Isam. Can we say that Elisabeth now has the momentum on his side going towards the European Championships? Mentally, definitely, because uh, he was he was really looking strong. Um... But you know, it's Ezerbeat last year was was also pretty good on this on this race. Um, he's going, I think, with a little bit more confidence than Tonarts at this point, and um, at this point, really is Mister Momentum. Yes, Tonarts, you mentioned him. What do you think went wrong for him? And Tony, you can of course give your opinion as well. He said something in an interview, I think, with Sporza that in some corners, especially uphill, the twenty kilogram extra he had. On Elisabeth felt like he was 100 kilos heavier than Elisabeth. Do you think that this course maybe isn't as good for him as we had thought a few years ago, or is Tonart maybe 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 he's overshot himself at the beginning of the season? Possible. Um, yeah, the weight the weight issue 
I don't know if you really can address it. I mean, it's it's a pretty hard race. It's a lot of climbing. It's there is not so much recuperation going on in that race. Uh, there is not really a moment where you can say, okay, I'm gonna rest here to to save for the next part because it it follows it up so quickly. Um, I mean, maybe the weight plays a role. I guess if you look to the to the top five, you can really see that the um, the lightweight have kind of an advantage with Van der Haar and Iserbiet. Um But but yeah, I mean, in the end. Uh, we we have seen that also big guys can be very good on this race, so I don't know. Yeah, I also think that you really saw how um, Eli Isbeet's acceleration played a big role. Um, even before uh, that big attack, he had some accelerations which really left Tone Arts on like five meters. And then when Eli saw that he had closed that gap, uh, he would just completely pull out the pace, which even allowed Van der Haar, Hermans and Van Turenau to return onto the wheel. And like the, he just kept, well, basically just like guerrilla tactics around the course, just every corner, like slight accelerations that Tone Arch would have to close. And I think Tone Arch just had to go too deep too many times on... Well, that acceleration that he wasn't really prepared to deal with, and I think he just blew himself up. Don Arch lost a lot of time in the end, 1 minute 20, add the bonification seconds to that. He's 1 minute 30 and a bit down in the general classification, which is on time. Do we think this is a blow for his chances, or is there any chance that he can pull this back? It's it's not um it's not very good, is it? Uh, to lose so many t- so so much time at this point. Um is definitely not the loser at this point because the season is still long. Uh, there's still some races left. He's still got some chances, um, but it's definitely not ideal. Um, and maybe you should already start looking at uh, other classifications and think maybe about the Super Prestige, which is looking better at this point for him. I think that indeed it is a big blow, but I, I don't know exactly how many Manches are between this one and then the cross at New Year's Day in Baal. I think Baal is round five or six. It's round six. You have Kortrijk, Antwerpen, Herentals, which is a new one. No, this is a mistake. Herentals is in there, but Lunout is out. So that means that Baal is round five. And, okay. Um, personally, I think Kortrijk and Antwerpen, they, don't, they won't provide big gaps. Herentals, I don't know, we don't even know the course yet but you have Baal and later on as well Brussels those are two races where you can still make up some time Yeah, that's what I was going towards Uh, I I think you have to keep on trying and you just have to hope for a big day on Baal and then hopefully make up a minute and then it will become a tight challenge but yeah for now just go 90% I guess but on the other hand, Tuan, mm-hmm. Beat and Arts have been the two main guys this season. Yeah, definitely. But we haven't seen them go head-to-head any time this season. We've seen what Arts happens now. It happened to Beat in Kruibeke with when Swake ended second. We have the same discussion. So maybe maybe the roles can be reversed in Baal and then all of a sudden they're equal. Yeah, exactly. I think different parcourses uh, suit them differently. And I think it will cha- change from week to week as well. Uh, although this does look like a hard blow for Tone Aert, and it'll be interesting to see how he recovers going into the European Championships. 
Indeed, and I think next weekend we can take uh, some more conclusions about the form of Tone Arts. Someone whose form is clearly improving is Quinton Hermans. It was very nice to not see him blow up uh, in the cross. Um, just keeping a very steady pace at some point, I uh, thought he was going to lose his spot to Van Turenhout, but he was able to uh, resist the challenge and even come quite close to Tone Arts in the end. Yeah, and I think that Hermans as well showed just his class that he, you know, he's still there um, and that he didn't lose any of his potential. And it's just good to see. I mean, really, the guy struggled a lot in the first few races and we mentioned him a lot as well, that he is not really up there at this point. Uh, But I think this fourth place mentally is going to help him a lot uh, for the remainder of the season. Yeah, I think so as well, because at some point in the race you thought, ooh, he's falling back, but he managed to get himself together again, and then again got the connection with Van Turnout, Arts, Van der Haar and Isabiet, and then finished fourth in the end. Um, well, let's take a look at the rest of the top ten, actually. So it was Isabiet in front of Van der Haar. Not much we can say about Van der Haar, actually. Just a good, consistent showing, and it's good for him to be back at this level. Arts is third, Hermans was fourth. Van Turenhout 6th, uh, so Michael Van Turenhout finished 5th, Tony van der Bos ended 6th, Thomas Main ended 7th, in 8th we find Corne van Kessel in front of his compatriot Ryan Kamp and Daan Soeter rounds off the top 10. So, when I look at this, outstanding performance by Tony van der Bos, what do you guys think? Um, it's really a parkour for him. Huh? It's, it's a strong guy, uh, he showed it already in the beginning of the season, and... Um, yeah, just a strong performance from from a strong guy and so young still still lots left but don't forget um there are some uh, some guys behind him with of course uh, the brit thomas main he he was i think um around a minute behind behind each other or there was a minute between the two so it was a gap but it's not really that much and Kopenberg is really a, a atypical race i mean you cannot compare it to the rest of the season so, yeah, it was a very good result, but uh, he has to look out behind for sure. Yeah, I think this is probably so far the achievement of his career. A, a an amazing performance, and he really looked solid, um, keeping up a very nice tempo. I think he was in a group with Van Kessel for most of the race, and he was able to continue that pace, whereas Van Kessel fell back quite a bit. Indeed, these are some guys really we should... Keep these names in our head for the future because uh, Van den Bos, Main, and Kamp, they've been performing week after week now. I mean, especially Kamp, Main, and Van den Bos, a little more inconsistent. Well, they're still doing a good job. And for Van den Bos, it's really his time to perform now. He's fourth year under 23. If it's not this year, it's probably, it's probably make or break this season for him. Yeah, it is. I mean, um, last season, of course, uh, becoming Belgium champion. So he and that was I think his first victory of the season. Uh, I think he just switched switched the switched his mindset and you know he's now really working his way up uh, to to the front guys and it's really good to see and probably next year is is going to be um one of the main guys from Paul Sousa next to Iserbeet. It will be interesting to see what they are going to do with him. Uh, I think as a Belgian person, he has that natural advantage of, of it probably becoming easier to get that pro contract um, or like staying there as well. Um, 
Yeah, I'm curious what you can see. Hopefully, you can develop as well and uh, become a consistent rider at the top level. Thomas Main, it wasn't really a surprise to see him there after his performance in Beringa. I mean, you still need to do it, but as we said in our preview, we expected him to be inside the top 10. And as these young guys, the Koppenberg is so hard, so it's really good that they get into the top 10. But also, just outside the top 10, there were some young guys as Pim Ronhaar, Andreas Schumann, and Emil Verstrenge. And they beat like some names like Tom Meuse and um, Vincent Bastans. That indicates that they are slowly but steadily growing and that there is this new generation of talent coming forward to challenge with Isubit, Van der Haar, Aarts and you can name it on and potentially Van der Poel and Van Aert. You never know how they develop in cyclocross because focusing so much on road could mean they go backwards. But let's not focus on that too much because besides this great men's race, there was a probably even better women's race, Twan. Tell us uh, a short summary of that race. Uh, it was a quick start. Uh, Betsma getting the start sh that she required to uh, be up there with the best of them. And immediately we saw Celine Del Carmen Alvarado struggling to make the front group of four. And she indeed wasn't quite able to make it. It were Worst, Brand, Castellijn and Betsma that were able to ride away. With after a few laps it being the main instigator I would think of this breakaway. That, uh, that uh, started struggling as they returned to the field. It was Betsma that struggled on... Uh, one of the corners and she for the whole lap didn't quite look like dropping but also not like closing the gap it was a very weird situation and eventually she got distance quite a bit uh, then in the second to last lap it became clear that Yara Kastelein didn't quite have it today in the technical parts again and uh, she was able to close that gap on the Koppenberg but going into the final lap we saw again her being distanced and it really became a sprint between Worst and Brandt. Worst putting in a final effort in the technical parts but Brandt able to stay with her quite well and it came down to a sprint on the Koppenberg and it was Annemarie Worst that was able to take it ahead of Lucy Brand and Jare Kastelein uh, well repairing that uh, damage that was done in the field very well limiting the damages to 10 seconds in third place wow what a battle that was it was really a nil biter especially on that final time Koppenberg with Worst and Brand together I thought that Brand would have the advantage as having the experience as the road racer but in the end she lost to Worst and what do you guys think about this I think that final bit of pressure that Worst applied in the descent was just what must have given her the edge. And Brand just didn't quite have it on that final bit of acceleration. Mm, yes, and I think as well that Worst was very composed, very... Um, she, was, she was looking a little bit to the others. What are you going to do? I'm just going to sit in your wheels and see what, what happens. Uh, at the end, she took initiative and went on uh, with on with the victory i think she was just simply the strongest in the end i think so as well especially if you look like over the course of the race she looked to be playing at some point sitting in fourth wheel behind betsema and kasteline and if kasteline made a mistake in the technical part she could easily close the gap again on brand and betsema and she really looked to be in control of this race and for her was it her first victory of the season i think so yes it was mm -hmm. It's good for her to be back after that um, injury that she had earlier on in the 
in the season. Uh, she broke her collarbone uh, in mountain biking, so it's definitely good that she is now back at, well, by the looks of it, just in time for the European Championships, because she'll be wanting to reclaim that title from Yara Kastelein, the winner on the Koppenberg of last year. What do you um, think of her performance? Third, did she get everything out of it? No. Because I I think Twan already said it in the summary, but I'm just going to mention it again. The the time she loses in, in the technique is and, and the way she comes back, like it, it's not it's not easy to close the gap she was closing on, on the Koppenberg and she just did it. Uh you lose so much energy on, on, on those sections and coming back, so it's it's a bit of a shame to see her lose so much time in the technique in the te- technical parts because I think if you look to Brandt, who is also not known as the most technical uh, cyclist out there, um, she she improved over 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 this year and you can really see that she improved from last year. So it's just yeah, it's a bit of a shame to see that Castellan is not. Is, I don't know if maybe the trainers don't look at it or. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame, I feel. I think you can clearly see the hand of Sven Nijsent uh, playing in at Lucinda Brandt. But like you said, it's indeed strange because the other riders of the team of Kastelein, I mean, she saw, she uh, went to Crea Credit Shop Freestad, team of Annick van Alphen and Monon Bakker. They, Bakker and van Alphen, they both jump the barriers now, as probably Kay is the only one who does that with them, and maybe Pietersen. But Kastelein doesn't. Van Alphen has a sublime technique. Manon Bakker is a bit bigger and therefore has a bit bigger disadvantage in the corners. But she doesn't do bad. But Kastelein, she seems to be lacking. Maybe she just... I mean, it's a bit strange to say that about a European champion. But maybe she's more a powerhouse than actually a real cyclocrosser who has it with the technique. Maybe she's more... She's just... Yeah, maybe she just doesn't have the coordination or something, but it's indeed very strange. Yeah, it might be also, I think, maybe a, me- a mental thing. Um, you know, not having the the um, bravery. Yeah, to 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 try and make to make those corners as fast as possible, to take the lines that you have to take. You see, sometimes in her corners that she just just takes a very strange line of of that corner, like out of fear or I don't know what, but. It's really an atypical way of, of going on your bike. Maybe it has something to do with confidence or like I see she's pretty scared in downhills. I think she might have crashed in a downhill once and that could have taken a big chuck out of her conf- confidence. And I mean, it could have something to do with that. But someone who clearly did have confidence was Denise Betsema taking the initiative in the first lap but probably blowing up or maybe overestimating herself. She ended fourth in the end. A bit disappointing. I thought she would be able to win here. Do you guys think the same as well, that it's really a wasted win? I, I think there was just something lacking there. Um, I, I don't know what it was, but I, it just it looked very weird. And... Uh, after her performance in Bering, I, I expected her to do a lot better than this. And she started off quite well, but then, yeah, it just seemed to blow up. The only pattern I can um, maybe get out of this is um, the winners of Beringen, um, Arts and Alvarado, were pretty bad. And 
it's 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 a bit it's a weird it's a bit weird that we are not talking about Alfredo at this point, the world champion. Uh, but her performance was just not there, I guess. Um, no, she... but Alvarado wasn't good, but she wasn't the winner in Beringen either. That was Betsema. Oh my, uh, yeah, my bad. Yeah, she was of course the the one that was uh, second in the um, in the sprint. True. Yes, indeed. But indeed, we can talk about Alvarado as well. She finished seventh in the end. Pretty disappointing as a world champion. Last year on the Koppenberg, she didn't do well either. I think she finished sixth then, but also quite far down. Maybe it's just not her course. I mean, we've seen it with her teammate Van der Poel. He doesn't like the Koppenberg either. He probably wouldn't even want to go there if it were, if he had the choice. Yeah, I think that's definitely a thing. Céline uh, del Carmen Alvarado just not quite up there when it comes to the Koppenberg. I mean, we even saw her struggling to beat her teammate. Um, someone that we don't usually uh, see that close to her. Uh, we really saw her trying at the start of the race, but as it went on, it was then Eva Lechner who overtook her, Annick van Alphen as well, and Puk Pietersen as well for a brief second uh, before the re-overtake from Alvarado. Belgian commentator Wout said something about it, and I would like to know if you guys think that he is right, that Alvarado probably didn't come to the Koppenberg with the mindset and confidence that she needed. Because of her bad performance last year, she finished sixth, that she's coming here to the Koppenberg and thinking, ooh, I remember this. Last year I was here and I got kicked. I absolutely was nowhere. I got sixth. Ooh, it was a really tough day. I just hope that today that isn't the same. Yeah, maybe she was she was not looking forward to the race. Um, and that's definitely not the mentality that you want to have if you... If you're like thinking about the Koppenberg, like, oh, we have to go there again and not really um, feeling confident about that race. Um, I mean, also in her socials that she said that she was 2-0 two, two uh, against uh, the Koppenberg uh, behind and that she's, you know, she's going to try to to have a better race. But we have seen it with the big guys, with, with Van der Poel as well, that the Koppenberg is not really a race he looks forward to. So, I mean... It's maybe just the type of rider and, 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 and the way you you are built, in a way. And something I would like to add to that is she said, well, at least in the broadcast of sports that was mentioned, I'm not sure if she said it herself in the interview pre-race, but it was said that she isn't in her best form at the moment and that she's still building towards it because after the uh, World Championships mountain bike, she did start crossing, but... She hasn't really done any training. She's just been riding the races, probably because she gets money by starting them and that her team wants her to ride. She's world champion, blah, blah, blah. But that she hasn't been doing enough training at the time being that she's really working towards that December month. Then I should be worried if I was uh, one of the other companions, if, if that's completely true. I just, uh, I mean, it, last year it wasn't really her race. This year it wasn't really her race. Um you know, it's, there is no shame on saying that you don't like this race and you're not looking forward to it because it's a horrible race in the end. I mean, it's a, a beautiful race to watch, but as a rider, as a, as a cyclocross rider, I don't think it's really a fun race. So there, there is no shame in saying you don't like that race. But I mean, okay, it's professional. Let's take a look at the entire top 10 then. We already confirmed to you that Worst won in front of Brand, Kastelein and Betsema. Fifth place went to Italian Eva Lechner. Then we see Anik van Alphen in front of Alvarado, 
Puk Pietersen, Fem van Empel en Catablanca Vas. So, Eva Lechner finishing fifth. That's the first one we haven't discussed yet. Solid performance, but not entirely unexpected, considering the fact that this course is quite close to Beringen and Eva Lechner was strong in Beringen as well. Um, she had a slower start to the race and really managed to pace herself well, uh, putting in consistent laps, and uh, that is what got her a beautiful fifth place. Then in sixth place, we saw Anik van Alphen, who rode a pretty good race. She didn't crack, she started a bit slower, like Lechner as well, I think. For quite some time she was with Lechner, actually, or am I wrong? Mm. Oh, I think she was always, like, close by. I'm not quite sure if she was ever on the wheel of Lechner, though. I thought, and I saw her in the beginning uh, of the race, especially at the Toyota's quick start, that she was in the wheel of uh, Lechner, and then ha- some way halfway she dropped, but didn't crack. Anyway, solid performance by her, by the young rider, and that's something that we see a bit more in the top 10, because Anik van Alphen, 21... Puk Pietersen and Van Empel, 18. Kata Blanca Vas, 19. So the last um, three places of the top 10 are filled with riders who aren't even 20 yet. What can we make out of those performances? Very impressive, especially from Kata uh, Blanca Vas, who uh, this was the first race of her since she came back from the mountain bike. And also um, Puk Pietersen and Van Empel, just very solid performances. Yeah, to be able on, to perform on... On such an age, as at such a race as this one at the Koppenberg, really tough. Uh, we have seen a lot of youngsters fail to to be able to have a good result. So it's really impressive from them. Personally, for me, the performance of Puk Pietersen and Fem van Empel are a bit less of a surprise. Especially Puk Pietersen. I know her from the days that I raced against her, also in the field. And she's... Um, She's a bit under the radar because all the attention goes out to Anik, uh, to Shirin van Androoy and Peters is from the same year and her performances are usually quite similar to those from, from van Androoy but she, uh, remember especially in the first and second year that they rode World Cups that they finished like usually Shirin finished then 14th and Puck finished 15th or 16th um, but, Piet, uh, but Peters didn't get the attention van Androoy did because van Androoy always just had the edge over her and now that Van Androoy is a bit less good than last year Pietersen does finally get the attention because usually she finished 10th and then Van Androoy finished 9th and the attention was on who finished 9th and Van Van Empel is another talent she's been doing football for quite a long time she switched to cyclocross not a story you hear quite often but also she finished in the top 10 at the European Championships mountain bike and I think also at the World Championships mountain bike so I'm pretty impressed by all these guys and I was also impressed by Lotte Kopecky I remember making fun out of her and the Belgian commentators because they said that she could potentially end in the top 10 well she ended 11th so I'm probably not saying things like that anymore and yeah what do you guys think of this uh, ride by Lotte Kopecky very impressive um what I do want to make a note out of this is, of course, uh, the cross that probably most suits the road riders out of all of them. Although um, some very uh, fast cross like uh, Pont Chateau we had a few years back in the World Cup would also uh, be amazing for her. But you also see it with Paulina Royakers, who was able to finish in the top 20 and was up in the top 15 for most of the race. 
Yeah, I think as well what what can be mentioned about Kopecky after the race, she was um, the only rider that was cleaning her own bike, um, which just shows as well that I mean she's not really taking it that professional, and to be able to to be that close to the professional field as a road cyclist, it's it's really impressive. But do you then think that she should focus more on cyclocross? I, why not? I, I she could especially go to a to a, a, a cyclocross team that can support her a little bit, or maybe she gets a little bit more support from the road cycling team, uh, where she's now riding with Lotto Sudal ladies. Uh, but she should she should definitely take it more serious because <laughs> she has the potential to to be to be the leading uh, Belgium cyclocross rider. Yeah, I would definitely agree on that. Um, of course. She would usually be doing a track around this time of year. Uh, but maybe after the 2021 Olympics, she can um, maybe differ her priorities. Uh, I heard that she finds cyclocross a whole lot of fun. So hopefully um, we get another decent Belgian cyclocross rides there. Well, she was a leading Belgian in front of Laura Verdonschot and in absentee of Sanne Kant. But... On the other hand, I do want to point out Paulina Royakker. She rode with Lotte Kopecky for quite a long time. There was a pretty big group there with also Anna Kay and Rochette in that group. But in the end of the race, that group fell apart. And Royakker ended at the back end of that group and Kopecky at the front. So maybe this is really a parkour that, like Twan said, it comes as close to a road race as you can get. Because Kopecky also said it, every lap I went full gas up the... Koppenberg and then I just tried and limit my damages in the field so maybe maybe it's just a bit of a yeah maybe it's just a bit too much to say that she should focus on cyclocross especially because she's quite good on the track if I'm not wrong she, she definitely is and that's why she's making a goal out of it of course um, but you know I mean we can go along with the hype of the Belgium uh, with the Belgian people and I don't think it's bad for Belgium in general uh, to have uh, a leading cyclocross uh, rider with, of course, Sanne Kant falling off a little bit. And it would be good for the exposure of the sport as well. I mean, Vos gets a lot of attention for doing both. And Kopecky, she's developing herself to a solid rider on both the road and track and potentially the field. But we can only wait and see. I think uh, Sven van Turenhout, the Belgian national coach, will be... Uh, eagerly waiting on their decision but i think then we've had all our topics unless you guys have anything else you would like to mention about the women's race no no really well in that case i would like to thank everybody for listening to the cyclocross social podcast later this week we'll be taking a look ahead at the european championships which will be held next weekend in rosmalen You can also expect two podcasts about that, one after the races on Saturday and one after the races on Sunday. Twan and Issam, I would like to thank you guys for joining me once again. Thank you for having me on. Yep, same. Thank you. And then I would like to wish everybody a great week. Stay safe and goodbye.